When I was a child, my mother once told me to accept the things I can't change, but I'm not going to lose her again. Hi, Mom. If you were to go into the past, you have no idea what the consequences can be. You are. I'm Batman. Wait, he's Batman? What did you think we were doing here? Different people. Different worlds. Drawn to each other like magnets. What are you doing? Our kids are going to want to see this. I have to undo what I did. This world must die. What's the play? Batman, what do we do? We try not to die. Episode 466. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Puddin, you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. But if I'm being honest, this show creeps me the fuck out. I toss it. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. And yes, this week we are reviewing uh, The Flash, uh, which... Uh, Looks like it. Uh, Joe, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this is the final installment of the DCEU? I mean, re- um, reportedly, that's what's going on. Or is it? Is it going to be Aquaman with... Um, oh, yeah. It's got to be Aquaman. Because Blue Beetle's the one that's like officially going to be the first one that's starting in the just the DCU, yeah, it, is my it, understanding. Yeah, he's the first part of the DCU, but he, it's... It's not the first movie in the DCU, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because the first one that's actually written for it is going to be this Superman one. I saw that, man, I saw, again, before The Flash, uh, when I went and saw it again yesterday, they, well, they gave me the trailer for Blue Beetle, and uh, I don't know about you, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I've not gotten that trailer in the theater yet. I can't wait to see it there, but... um just having seen it on the home screen, man, that trailer looks so much fun. I love it when he busts out a big Buster Sword looking thing. That's yeah. Oh, I like, like they're it. Be doing a lot of fun stuff with his powers. I like the first reveal of the transformation. It looks like it looks painful. Like it's burning all over his body. It's literally changing. It looks like it's changing his body, and the whole family is terrified watching him on the ceiling. They're screaming, and uh, it looked. I was just like, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I think it's going to be fun. Anyway, Joe, we are not alone. We have guests. We are also joined by Philip Guillet. Welcome, Philip. Hey, Brian. Thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely, man. You're the perfect guy to have on this one because this movie does have elements of one of your favorite movies, Man of Steel. 
Yep. And uh, it's kind of fitting with uh, Man of Steel being uh, t- at 10 years for its 10-year anniversary and the timing of this movie. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. We also have Mr. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead, please. And we also have Mr. Joe Vitale of the Vintage Geeks podcast. Welcome, Joe. More DC power. That's exact. <laughs> well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. <laughs> All the Marvel fans are like, uh, end podcast. <laughs> right. No, they're not even here. They're not even here. They're going back and listening to our Quantum Mania reviewer, and they're not going to be happy. So, <laughs> oh man. Anyway, guys, before we jump into the review for The Flash, I got to go over some winners, uh, for contests that we've had. And, um, first contest is actually for the five digital codes of mercy these are the winners first winner is going to be geraldo vega second winner rob forrest third winner monica garola number four nicholas Santones, and number five kemian carson so those are your five winners of digital uh, of mercy on digital um and i also have uh winners for Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Again, this is for Blu-ray copies. I've got three to hand out. And the first winner of a Blu-ray of Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves is Mr. Miles Gooding. Number two, Stephen Jenkins. And the final winner, Clayton G., who I'm guessing is Clayton Galeski, longtime listener. So those are your three winners for Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. We also have a new contest. I've got five digital codes for Buddy Games Spring Awakening. Hold on to your beers. Buddy Games Spring Awakening, the outrageous comedy of the year is here. The boys are back to reunite for their biggest challenge yet and to take it back to where it all began Spring Break. Get it now on the Microsoft Store. It's rated R from Paramount Pictures. And this one has, uh, this one has, I, I believe Nick Swartzen is in this movie. So if, yeah, if you want to get your comedy fix right now, uh, we've got, uh, Buddy Game Spring Awakening, five digital codes. In order to enter the contest, I'm going to send out a Buddy Game Spring Awakening tweet and Facebook post. All you have to do is retweet it or share it on Facebook. Screenshot that you did. Send it to contest at popcultureleftovers.com with the title Buddy Games. And uh, you'll be entered to win one of five digital copies of this movie. So please enter the contest. And now we are going to be jumping into the Flash review Just so you know, this is going to be full spoilers, so here's your official spoiler warning. This is a Pop Culture Leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dickhole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. All right, sorry, my cat was trying to get into a cupboard, and I forgot I was on mute. I'm back now. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to get in this cupboard that has the saran wrap and all the Ziploc bags and the aluminum foils, and he likes to go in there. And he pulls it out, and then he goes in there, makes a fucking mess, and uh, 
And then you, the listener gets to hear all the crinkling of all the different things, and uh, it's annoying as shit. And if he goes for it again, you're going in the bedroom. Going to take a pause. We're going. Hey, no, nope, yeah, we're going in the bedroom. We're pausing. We're pausing. I'm not fucking around. <laughs> all right, hey, we, yeah, we're back. Uh, let me read off the synopsis for the Flash. Worlds collide when the Flash uses his superpowers to travel back in time to change the events of the past. However, when his attempt to save his family inadvertently alters the future, he becomes trapped in a reality in which General Zod has returned, threatening annihilation. With no other superheroes to turn to, the Flash looks to coax a very different Batman out of retirement and rescue an imprisoned Kryptonian, albeit not the one he's looking for. Uh, The Flash is the 13th installment in the DCEU. It's directed by Andy Muschietti. He's the director of It!, uh, from a screenplay by Christina Hodson, who uh, she uh, also wrote uh, Bumblebee and uh, Birds of Prey uh, for Warner Brothers. Uh, it stars Ezra Miller as Barry Allen alongside uh, Sasha Cali, Michael Shannon, Ron Livingston, Maribel Verdu, Kier- uh, Kiersey Clemens, uh, Aunt J. Trow, and Michael Keaton. It has a runtime of 144 minutes and an estimated budget of 220 million, which I think is probably closer or over 300 million. I think they're a little off there. I just feel like with this movie supposed to coming out earlier and they had a lot of uh, uh, marketing uh, at, for it at that time and then they held on to it for a while, didn't know what they were going to do because of the Ezra Miller situation. I just think it's been, I think it's more than 220 million. I don't know if. Any of you guys have any information on the budget other than that? But uh, they had to use that extra eighty million to fix the CGI. Oh wait, a minute, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I we're going to talk about the VFX shots because I personally <laughs> think we're going to talk. I think it was a stylistic choice. I think I think a lot of the stuff that we saw in the Chrono Bowl was a stylistic choice. I think a lot of the stuff we see in the in the Speed Force was a stylistic choice to separate it. Um, but we'll talk about that. I've got an article about that. Um, here's some history of the Flash movie. Uh, a film based on this, actually, they, started, they wanted to start making a movie about the Flash back in the 1980s. And uh, Warner Brothers hired, uh, co- at the time, comic book writer Jeff Loeb to write a screenplay. And then they hired uh, David S. Goyer to direct and produce a new version of the Flash back in December of 2004. After he impressed them with his script for Batman Begins, Goyer approached Ryan Reynolds to, uh, to portray Wally West. Um, and uh, Goyer was influenced for the film's tone by Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy and the Flash comic book runs by Mike Barron, Mark Wade, and Jeff Johns. Uh, by, er- by February 2007, Goyer left the project over creative differences with the studio, and Sean Levy was hired to direct and oversee the writing of a new draft written by Chris Brancato, which used elements from Goyer's script. Later that month, Warner Brothers announced the development of a Justice League film with uh, Michelle and Kieran, Kieran Mulroney writing the screenplay. George Miller signed on to direct a film titled Justice League Mortal, in September, with Adam Brody cast as the Flash, and I believe like uh, they also had uh, Army Hammer as Batman. I think um, was it uh, is it DJ Katrona as Superman, and uh, oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other actors. But uh, we do know is that Common in that. Yeah, Common might have been Green Lantern. I know that Adam Brody, it was crazy because Adam Brody and DJ Katrona, even though they didn't get to play those characters, they, 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 later on down the road, they were cast as the, 
two members of the Shazam family. So it's almost like they still got to be involved in DC at, uh, for some capacity. They got so close to filming too. It was like the day before. Oh yeah. They were supposed to, when, um, when the whole plug was pulled and like they had already flown to Australia. Like wow. everything was all up and ready to go the next day. And then everyone was notified that the thing is dead. I am uh, just, I'm, I'm glad we didn't get the film. Army Hammer Batman, that would be something to talk about for people today. I, I started watching that House of Hammer documentary on him. I've been th- I watched the first episode and I was just I was shocked at what was happening in that. Really? Yeah. Um yeah, check out House of Hammer if you haven't seen it. Anyway, uh What is sh- it on? It's on Max. Ah. Yeah. Um, Levy left the Flash in October 2007 because of scheduling conflicts with Night at the Museum. Um, David Dopkin, David Dopkin took over as director and then began developing the film as a spinoff from Justice League Mortal with a focus on Wally West. Craig Wright was writing a script for the film the next month before Justice League Mortal was canceled and Warner Brothers set a 2008 release for The Flash. Further development was delayed by the 2007-2008 Writers Guild of America strike. Charles Roven joined the project as a producer by July 2009 with Jeff Johns consulting and writing a film treatment that Dan Mazow adapted into a screenplay. On October... In October, Roven said the studio was not confident enough in their take to greenlight the film, though Mazzo disputed this and said the film was moving forward as planned. In June 2010, Green Lantern writers Greg Berlanti, Michael Green, and Mark Guggenheim were hired to write a new treatment for The Flash. Uh, it's gone through so many different directors. I know that at one time, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons directors were involved in it. Um, uh, Jonathan Goldstein and... Um, uh, oh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but they were involved in it. It's been passed through and we're finally getting the film. I, I know like they were talking about like, you know, new people coming in to write and direct back in 2018. We were reporting on this, like I, I believe in like ep- the Is episode. Robert Zemeckis, one of them? Zemeckis yeah. at one time they were talking to Zemeckis. Yeah, because they liked how he did, you know, time travel in the Back to the Future movies. So it, it's it's been a long time coming for a Flash movie. But um, here we are, and we get to talk about it. We're going to go ahead and rate the movie. So if this is your first time listening, this is our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. You guys, uh, if you've listened to my uh, reaction episode, I've already given – I've seen the film twice now. I got to see it a week before it hit the theaters, and I gave it a Tupperware. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a blast. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I mean, Ezra Miller, they did a great job in this movie. I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding this actor – uh, but I think that they did a great job in the movie, and I uh, it, it's it's a shame that there's a lot of it's a shame that there's going to be. An, uh, I'm looking forward to the new direction of the DCU, but it's a shame that we're not going to get a follow up to this movie because I did love it so much. Um, and there's questions that weren't answered in this movie. We got basically the, the story of the, the villain dark flash and 
with this and I, I feel we didn't get like a proper reverse flash in this movie and that's who killed Nora Allen in the comics and we never did find out the killers of Nora Allen in this movie so I was really looking forward to like you know <laughs> there was a part of me that was that was hoping holding out hope that we would get a sequel to this movie I, I just don't think that that's in the cards um, now uh, sadly but um, I I, I'm I'm a big Man of Steel fan. Uh, this movie pays homage to Man of Steel, and and I I loved what it did there. Uh, I loved uh, the return of Michael Keaton as Batman. Uh, I thought he was fantastic. I loved seeing uh, what I thought was Ben Affleck going out on a high note here. I wasn't the biggest fan of the casting. I wasn't the biggest fan of his Batman. Um, but I did think that he was fantastic uh, in uh, Zack Snyder's The Justice League. I really liked him there, and I loved him in this. Uh, I love the action scene. I thought Muschietti did a great job. We found out recently Muschietti is going to be directing Batman: Brave and the Bold. Muschietti is going to be directing it, and it sounds like from the rumors that Christina Hodgson is going to be writing it. So this team back together for another, for a Batman movie. And what they did with Batman here in the limited time we got Batman, I thought was really awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I loved this movie. I thought it had a fantastic story. The time travel was awesome. Um, I think Ezra Miller, they did a great job playing two different Barry Allens in two different points of time. Like, to pull off that performance, there's, time, I, there's times when I'm watching this movie, I'm forgetting that I'm only really watching one actor do the performance yeah. here. It, 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 I feel like I'm watching two people on the screen have this back and forth banter with one another. And I feel like they did a great job of showing us a Barry that lost his mother and a Barry that was raised with his mother and how different they are. And uh, I got to give, I gotta give uh, them credit for that portrayal. Um, things I didn't like. I think that Iris West, for as much as we've been waiting for Kiersey Clemens to um, play the role of Iris West, I know we saw her in Zack Snyder's The Justice League, but I thought that she would get a bigger, you know, part in this. That didn't happen, but it didn't affect it. Did, I, it didn't affect my rating. I, I still Tupperware this movie. I think it's fantastic. I absolutely loved it, and. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think about this one, and we're going to break it down more. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Joe Vitale. What did you think about the Flash? And I know that, I mean, I know with you, you're you're a big Man of Steel fan. I know this has elements of Man of Steel in it, but I don't know if that's enough for you to love this movie. I, I don't know your thoughts. I haven't looked on social media for your thoughts. I don't know if you put it out there. I I know you guys recorded an episode, but I haven't listened. I wanted to come in fresh, um, like the morning rain. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, what did what did you think, Joe? Well, so first, it, with all respect to James Gunn, this is not the greatest superhero movie ever made. When you, you've got you know Superman seventy eight, Batman eighty nine, Dark Knight, Infinity War, Winter Soldier, you've got a lot. So, when they said that, I was like, obviously, this is more hyped as far as what you know what they're trying to do with the with the movie with that being said 
I think it's too bad that this I, I consider this kind of the bookend to the DCEU as as we know it. I'm sure you know Aquaman two. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I give it a high taste. It very high taste. I think on a rewatch, uh, it, it'll go up to a Tupperware because. You know, in the in the other DCEU movies, I wasn't really a fan of Ezra's portrayal of the Flash, but in this movie, I really got endeared to the performance, especially because they're playing two characters. And you know, you think the normal Flash is annoying, and then you get an, a ten-year younger Flash who's new to the powers, and you, so you have that dynamic. And I will tell you, and I said this on our podcast. This is probably the funniest superhero movie I've ever seen. It was natural humor. There were there was such good comedic timing with with scenes like when he cleaned up the apartment and she comes through the door and he kind of leans over. And that's been done before in other movies, but they they did some some really great things with comedy in it. Um I was kind of like you Brian, I I wish there was I wish it was more of a Flashpoint comic animated movie centric story with reverse flash. Um, I know before I went to see the movie, David's theory on our podcast, David's theory was Michael Keaton was going to be Thomas Wayne. I'm like, Ooh, if they do that, that would be kind of cool. So I do wish they, I, I, I would have rather had that type of movie. I, I was nervous about the dark flash character, especially seeing the God awful toy design statues, I was like, oh, my God, what is this? But I was really happy with how they handled that. It made sense with the story. Um, you know, just some things that were not upsetting to me, but there's really no reason. I think probably Philip will agree to this. There's really no reason not to have Henry Cavill in this movie if you're going to close yeah. if you're going to close yeah. this DCEU. I mean, there's uh, unless it was a money yeah. thing, there's zero reason that he should not be in this movie in some capacity. Um, so, you know, there's some wonky CGI. Um, I did like how, what they did with the chrono bowl. Um, I, I, I love the showcase of his speed. This is, was a, I was not a fan of the marionette running, you know, in the other movies. Uh, I thought this was kind of cool. It, it, it showcased the speed kind of like how man of steel showcased his power with like the rocks floating and, taking off and things like that. Um, so um, a super solid movie. I think, I honestly think non like comic fans, if we can get them to go see this uh, non DC, just normal moviegoers will really love this movie. If we can get them to go see it. And unfortunately I, I saw that it was, it took in what 55 million, which isn't great. So. Oh, um, wow. It got but, beat. Transformers beat it first weekend. Um, uh, oh my gosh. So and I and I well so the funny story is I went to see the Flash Thursday and when I got there I I my tickets were actually for Friday so I was like fuck so then I, I saw Transformers and it was awful uh so yeah so that was my that was my Flash story they but uh but yeah a really smart story funny emotional I I mean I if I start talking about the you know the scene with him and his mother near the end it was it, i got emotional just like the end of season one of the cw flash when they did that brilliant storyline with a brilliant season of the flash so uh it's just it's just a shame that this is kind of all for for nothing yeah but uh, very enjoyable yeah yeah uh joe stark 
Yeah, I've been looking forward to this one. I've I've been a huge fan of the Flash, both in the comics and uh, on the the TV series. The the early seasons of that, I think, Joe, you just brought up the first season of that, and that's that's one of the best standalone seasons of television that you can watch. Like, if you really want to get a good, oh, it's great. On, yes, it's so good. It's it's got everything you need to tell a, a compelling, emotionally driven story that's got lots of really fun heroics. And and genuinely funny character building stuff along the way, and it's it's just amazing. And I, there's there's quite a few classic runs of the comics. Uh, Flashpoint in particular is one of my favorite comic book storylines uh, from DC, just period. And the the animated film of it, the Flashpoint Paradox, it's streaming on HBO Max. If you've never seen that, I highly recommend you to go check that out. It's so good. And I was. I, I was a little hesitant going into this just because I do love the Flash character and I, I think Ezra Miller has been serviceable in that role. He, he doesn't read like Barry Allen to me. He always has much more of a, a use, silly Wally West type let's use, vibe. Let's use the pronouns, they. Oh, did I did I get it wrong? Yeah. My bad. Um, so... Sorry, yeah, I, I didn't mean to trip you up, man. I just know no, how I know how Even people before are. Before the episode, I was like, if, if you're referring to Ezra, it's they. I know. If it's... you're referring to Barry, you can say he. <laughs> and yeah, I got mixed up in the details. There. Yeah. Uh, regardless, it is. Uh, I, I wasn't sure how Ezra Miller's performance would be in this, and and it was it was fantastic. Uh, playing the two different roles worked really really well for me, and. Also, bringing in the the fact that one of the complaints in the past has always been that Barry doesn't feel like Barry. The way that the older Barry bounced off of younger Barry, it was a very meta choice with with the way that he pointed out the things that were annoying. And so I thought that that was kind of fun from from an audience perspective. And uh, I I just I I really loved this movie. I thought it was totally fun. I think that. They did the best they could do with the hand that was dealt to them. They adapted the Flashpoint storyline in a way that made sense with the, what they had in the DCEU. And it totally worked for me. I I agree with you, Brian, on the, the CGI part. I think that the stuff that looks weird in the Chrono Bowl, I think that that was a choice. And I think that the other CGI that's in the movie is so top-notch that it really does back up what the director was saying because I, the internet collectively read that and was like, sure, it's supposed to look that way. And it's like, well, I, I tend to agree with it. Uh, but I, I had fun with this movie from beginning to end. I thought the end part with his mother was so emotional and it, 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 it worked for me. And I'm honestly okay seeing what the next iteration of the Flash character is going to be like with James Gunn. Uh, as much as I enjoyed this, let's move past um you know, controversial actors being cast in the in the role, and let's just see what the future has for it. Because at the end of the day, I'm far more of a Flash fan than anything else, and so I'm just excited to see what the next iteration of the character could possibly be. Yeah, absolutely. I ho- I'm hoping that they uh, go in a different direction and uh, give us Wally West. That so, would be really, really fun. Yeah. Oh, and if I didn't say it, this was a Tupperware. Tupperware. Uh, one thing that you talked about earlier, uh, Joe Vitale, was uh, you know seeing Keaton play Thomas Wayne. I I'm glad that they didn't do that. I love seeing him back as Batman, but I was I was always kind of like hoping that maybe some kind of multiversal tweak, 
some kind of thing would happen in the multiverse to where we could get Jeffrey Dean Morgan finally playing Thomas oh, Wayne yeah. and uh, get to see, you know, a version of Jeffrey Dean Morgan with the guns and the bat suit, kind of like an older grizzled Batman. And um, we well, saw the year one, the year one suit on the very left has. Uh, yes. The, the it had culture, guns. Just like the McFarlane cover. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. 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 And, and it looked cool. <laughs> Um, let's, uh, let's hear from Philip. What did you think, man? Uh, uh, all right. So I'm going to be like the Debbie Downer of this, of this episode. So if I sound cunty going forward, like, uh, there's, I apologize in advance. Um, all right. So my, my rating is low tasted. Okay. So I will say I did not hate the film. Um, and going into it, I tried my fucking hardest to separate the real life drama involving certain previous filmmakers, the studio, how they've treated their actors. I have tried to separate it and I would say maybe about a quarter of the way through, I, I said, there's no way I'm going to be able to block this out. So I'll just ride with it. Um, I, I, I'll at least start with my with my like positives. Um, with all the controversy with Ezra Miller, I feel like we have sort of forgotten how legitimately talented of an actor they really are. Um, there's so much that's been in the news involving their controversy that the talent and the gifts that I can say were brought to this were on full display. And Brian, like you said, I forgot I was seeing one person. I thought I was just seeing two people like it. I didn't notice it after a while. Like I'm of the mindset that the best compliment you can give any sort of special effect is if you can say it didn't look like a special effect. I couldn't that part of this of the effects was flawless because at no point did it look like I could tell where the seams were. I legitimately thought I could, I was watching two people. Um, uh, just the way this, the, the, the cinematography was angled, the movements and, and even the way, um, they played it, uh, Barry sort of played against himself. Like even I, I noticed the eye lines were off. Which was a great attention to detail, like younger Barry was shorter. And so for older Barry, his eyeline was downward facing and vice versa for younger Barry, even though it's the same actor and the eyeline would be the same. Just that little detail that you can only tell just by looking at someone's eyes. Like I thought that that was um, just the talent and scope of the acting. Um, was amazing. I thought that the storyline involving the loss um, was legitimately compelling. And of course, that end scene in the grocery store when he said goodbye, um, I was in tears um, during that. Like both eyes, it, it was, it, I felt it. What Feelings the filmmakers were trying to invoke, I totally got that. 
So that being said, um, I feel like this movie tried very, very hard. It tried too hard. Um, it tried it, – it's kind of like the person that is trying so hard to be likable and in a sense that is what ends up being a turnoff. It's like this sort of desperate like pick me, like me, like me, love me. I'm right here. I'll do this. I'll do that. And I felt like this movie was like that. Um, it tried too hard to be liked. So it brought in cameos. It brought in, uh, you know, the the multiverse. It brought in Batman. And but the thing is that I didn't. I don't see how any of them actually justified their existence as part of the story. So one of my confusion was why Zod? Why was Zod the 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 a primary antagonist? The Flash has his own rogues gallery. And not only is Zod in Superman's rogues gallery, he is one of Superman's main antagonists. Um, I mean, if it was if it was from Batman's, it would have been the Joker. Like it just. Why did you have to bring that villain in, especially since the Flash has all of these other colorful villains that would have made more sense? Um, I think it was trying to be some poetic closing of the circle uh, that after 10 years with the Man of Steel we're seeing the villain and even seeing some of the same scenes um, and mimicking the cinematography and even the color grade. But I don't feel that though this was a respectful close. Like it, it wasn't a poetic closing of the circle. Um, I've known for years that Warner brothers was going to be using the flashes wave erasing um, a timeline that they have spent so much time on and all of the uh, cliffhangers and plot threads that will now never be resolved. Um, the whole dark side invasion, uh, that'll never happen. You know, um, the whole plot of, of um, uh, Clark, Lois, Bruce going forward, forget it. Like it never happened. Marvel is doing its own multiverse thing. But Marvel organically built up to it, and I just feel like DC was just throwing up multiverse, 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 when really they're just using it as a way to erase the Snyderverse, basically. And I'm trying not to go there, because if I do, I won't come back, but looks like I'm already going there. Um, I, I accept. I, I've had to accept. Like, the fifth stage of grief is acceptance. I I. I accept it. Um, but it still doesn't change how I feel. I, I accept that those films were not for everyone. But they did mean something to me. And those characters, those actors, endeared themselves to me so deeply. And it, in some way caused me to be able to change my own life for the better. And I feel so indebted for these characters and to see not just the characters, but the actors mistreated so much. And to know that it's basically led to this 
it's being erased like it never happened. I knew Ben Affleck's um, last scene was – I figured that was his last scene, and I, I, I basically bawled during that because I, I – like I was in the theater and I said goodbye. Um, it, it – the behind-the-scenes drama of not just with the actors but with the studio and their treatment of, of fans – I could not get past it. Um, I didn't have an issue with the special effects. In the Chrono Bowl, I figured that, it. yes, it is supposed to look that way. Uh, no, I get it. I, I think so, too. Um, but, you know, there were there was the Adam West cameo or the Adam West audio cameo. There was the George Reeves. There was uh, – who was the Flash? Jay Garrick? That, in that, yes. That was Jay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Helen Slater. Uh, Nicholas Cage. We finally see him fight the giant spider. There's John. Yes. John Peters finally got his fucking spider. The giant, <laughs> and that I I got so much of a kick out of because I'm just well. I mean, I knew who it was. I could tell by the hair. I knew he was in that. I knew Nicholas Cage was in it. But when you could see he was flying away and the hair, I'm just like, I know who that is. And I'm like, oh, there's the spider. Um, I will say that. It was a surreal experience to see a circa 1980 Christopher Reeve on the big screen. Um, I don't, they must have gotten permission from his family, must have gotten the blessing from his family. Um, it was – that was surreal, but none of those cameos were, and were, were relevant to the plot. It was – Show it, it was more showmanship. It's like, look over here. Here's Nicolas Cage. Look over here. Here's Helen Slater, Supergirl. Look over here. Here's Jay Garrick. Look over here. Here's George Reeves in a black and white universe. Um, here's Christopher Reeve. Um, here's George Clooney at the end. But none of the – like you could have skipped over that and the story wouldn't have mattered. So I feel like when I say like it tried too hard to be liked – that's what I mean. Like those cameos were meaningless. Like they were just eye candy. Um, and like I said, it was it was so neat getting to see a new likeness of Christopher Reeve in in the suit and everything. And he was moving. It was very brief, but I thought it was well done. I said it was neat, but it's like it, it didn't serve the plot. Um. So um, the the baby shower scene at the beginning. Um, I, I was never in fear. Like I knew that those babies would be fine. Um, so if there was any attempt at, oh my God, is he going to do it? Is he going to, you see the, the countdown with the caloric, um, meter on his wrist and it's like, oh my God, he's, is he not going to do it? And I'm just like, it's the beginning of the movie. They're babies. And you hear it, it's, it's clearly, it is a, in um, a copy of Quicksilver from um, X2 and X3. Um, if there was any attempt at drama with that scene, I didn't feel it because I knew they would be okay. I, I'm going to step in here real quick. I don't think I think that that scene was played to show how he's evolved as a hero because we see earlier in a flashback that he was only able to save the one child. There are so many people that were dying because of what Zod was doing. He shows yeah. up in his makeshift kind of like, you know, suit that he made in his basement and he could only save the one child. He, and he didn't want the he didn't want the child to watch 
as his father died, so he turned the child's head. I think there were yeah. stakes, but I think that they were used later in the movie via flashbacks to kind of show how this character has like evolved as a hero and what he's learned. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, yeah, I, 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 I personally didn't want to see a bunch of babies splat on the, you know, be street pizza on the ground. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm not disappointed. Yeah. 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 But I, 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 I thought that that scene was very well done and yeah, it had nods to, to, uh, Quicksilver in the Fox, uh, universe. But you know, I thought that it was also, I thought it was well done. I, I liked how, you know, what, what I really appreciated about that, and let's just open this up. Let's just open up this discussion because I really want us to start all getting involved in this. What I liked about that scene is we've got the calorie counter and we're expecting him to just run in there and start saving these babies. No, his first thing is like, I got to get some food. And so he sees a vending machine and goes for the vending machine. <laughs> so, so I thought that that was kind of brilliant. And, you know, like, you know, and then and then basically setting it up to where, you know, like a game of uh, like mousetrap or something where he's trying to save these different babies. One baby <laughs> from getting hit in the face with the acid, the other baby from, you know, uh there's some knives and, and, and like, you know, scalpels and things like that. Medical, like medical stuff. Flamethrower. Flamethrower. There was the, the gas tank. Yeah. Yeah. And the shrapnel. Yeah. I thought it was a very creative, fun way to, to start this. I also like the fake out start intro where we, where he was going to start running and then, and then he needed the candy bar. We thought we were going to get the flash logo there and they fake us out. That fake out intro was, was pretty brilliant. Um, so I appreciated that going back to a couple things that you said, Philip, you were talking about yeah. how, you know, why is Zod the, the main villain here? I really feel like Zod was used well in this movie. I, I, I don't feel like he was like the main villain. I think Barry realizes that this world is doomed. It's an inevitable intersection. It's doomed, but then later on, the real main, main villain, the Dark Flash, shows up, mm-hmm. makes his presence known again, has his you know discussion with Barry, and we find out that Barry is his inevitable intersection. And so I I thought it was brilliant. Personally, I thought it was pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think I they so- made excellent use of what they had to work with. Because, I mean, you got to figure, I mean, Michael Shannon even said coming back just felt like kids playing in a sandbox with with action figures. And that's kind of what they had to do with this. They had to look at the pieces that were left of the DCEU and say, how can we turn this into Flashpoint? And, man, for me, I think they did it in a really fun way. That whole opening scene, there were so many laughs that were built into it. This was like a genuinely funny movie, which that is quite a departure in tone from you know, what we've had in the past. And, and there were certainly elements of the Snyderverse that I really liked. But if I have to be honest, I, I think I kind of like this lighthearted tone a little bit better. The one, the, the one the, thing that be, the Snyderverse go got real quick, I'm sorry, before I forget this, I lose this thought. The one thing I love the Snyderverse stuff. I really did. One thing that it did not do. In my opinion was capture the imagination of children. Watching these yeah. movies, yeah. 
And I, I agree. You go back and watch as a child. I mean, Joe uh, Vitale could get on here and, and you know, I, I, I was born in 78, but I grew up with that movie. And that movie, that was my superhero movie, you know, Superman one and two. Those, that that was it, man. Those were those were like the pinnacle of superhero movies, and I absolutely yeah. loved them. And it captured my imagination. And that was the Superman that I grew up with, and that I loved, and that I gravitated towards. And I felt like Snyder kind of took it, and he gave us a, a different take on Superman, a, a take that as an adult I appreciated. But I think what was missing was children seeing this for the first time. I can't see like a, a, a five or six or seven year old going into Man of Steel and being as captivated with that as they were with, with, with maybe the Marvel stuff coming out. Like that's what they're growing up with. That's what they're, they're falling in love with Captain America. They're falling in love with Iron Man. And I feel like it wasn't targeted towards children, which I don't think is always a bad thing. Um, when I see an R-rated movie, it's not made for kids. So I don't care what kids think of Deadpool or seeing Logan. I don't care. Like that, those movies are made for me. But this was a PG-13 Superman. And I feel like that's the one thing that it was kind of missing was capturing the imagination of children. I, it's I can 100%, see that. You're 100%, yeah. You're, Brian, you're 100% because I, I told this story about when I went to see the 40th anniversary of Superman the movie in, in an Alamo draft house with my buddy. And we were in the back row and there was a – we were making conversation with the guy next to us with his son who was like you know 10 years old or something. And Superman – you know, movie the movie – meant to him like it meant to me you know how how i felt about it and this was his son's first time seeing it and while i'm watching the movie i'm looking over this kid is sitting like sitting forward and i'm like i'm watching some like i envy this kid so much be, you know mm -hmm. especially like the helicopter scene which is one of the greatest superhero yeah. intros in history intros. yeah uh, it's just and the, the the just the the look in this kid the, the, the just the wonder of it and like you said, Brian, listen, I love Man of Steel. I love a different take, a graphic novel take on it, okay? It's, it's I'll take any Superman I can get. But the one thing, and I've mentioned this countless times before, and I'm sorry if people have heard it from me before, but the, the, I, I bring up the scene where it's uh, – I think Neil deGrasse Tyson is talking over, and uh, there's that – House that's flooded and she paints yeah. a symbol, Superman symbol, and he's floating above, which is a great, which is a beautiful shot. Like no question, it's oh, yeah. out of a, a comic book. But what he what what he did not do with that scene is what Superman is is he needs to come down, get on his knee next to yeah. the lady, and say I've got you. Like that's Superman, and yes. that's that's just what people don't get about the character. And I hope to God that James Gunn does a young Superman with Superman legacy. Right, because we we deserve that type of Superman where it is wonder and it's the smile. You know, who are you, a friend? The smile. I mean, come yeah. on. I just it's, yeah. I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and to be perfectly honest, I totally get that. And as much of a simp as I am for the Snyderverse, like I can say that yes, those were elements that were that were missing. Um, I. As much as I think The Man of Steel was uh, just a godsend of a film, 
I do have to say that it is it's tired like it's exhausting like you're tired by the end of it um I don't know how it would appear to a five-year-old in the same in any way comparable to how Superman 78 appeared to us um it the acting is beautiful the cinematography is beautiful the music is gorgeous Mm -hmm. but it does hit in a much different way that i can totally see would not be as appealing for children to have like that glazed look in their eyes like wow i i totally get it um as for um even the the, scenes even the scenes in superman 78 when we're seeing him like you know uh as a as a teenager in high school and he kicks the football really hard after getting mm-hmm. picked on by the you know the the football players he's the equipment manager we see him kick the football then we see him race the train on the way home and just having fun with his powers we never saw any of that in in the Snyder yeah. stuff and i get yeah. and, and i'm fine with that i'm fine with that but those are things that i do miss and things that i do want to see i i man i love seeing uh, a superhero get their powers or learn about their powers and and have fun with those powers and um i don't always like to see the superhero that's like oh i'm cursed with these powers and you know it, that, that's <laughs> fine sometimes but i do like to see those scenes where they're having a blast with them and they're you know and i, I really like that about superman 78 as well yeah I, I think that that's like an integral ingredient for comic book movies at least if you're going to try and catch a larger crowd, which is what these movies are really going for, is that if you don't have enough of an element of fun in it, it's you're only going to hook a certain percentage of the audience that it's hitting for. And even of that, it's like you got to have to get that part, uh, portion of the audience that's like really paying attention to the movie. And you know, it was yeah, really, you know, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Oh, I was, no, I was, I was pretty much done. You're all good. You know what was brilliant about this movie is the fact that, you know, we hadn't gotten a Flash origin story. We'd only heard that, you know, uh, we had the, like, the, I think it was the graveyard scene where they're digging, uh, where him and Cyborg are digging uh, with the shovel. Do mm-hmm. you remember? And yeah. he's talking about yeah, how yeah, he got, yeah, yeah he, got, oh, he yeah. said he's got, you know, he got hit by, he got hit by lightning. And we never saw it. And in this mm-hmm. movie shows us the origin story through the multiverse when he gets knocked back into, you know, 2013 and he's 18 years old. And we we don't get to see like the solo Barry, but we get to see Barry, th- this version of Barry, how it happened. So it's I thought it was a pretty inventive way of showing us the origin story without having to show us. The origin story. Exactly. If, yeah. Yes. That's that's uh, and and I, I forgot to say this earlier. I do think that that was one of the things that the movie did have going for it, that it was not an origin story, but it was it still kind of was. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was actually uh, pretty well done because with younger Barry, you got to see him grow like he was insufferable at the beginning um and like that scene when older barry enters the speed force and wants to punch him is is about to punch him um i was kind of there with him like i he it, it, like the way that they performed younger barry i know that it was a necessity but it was uh, uh it, he younger barry was insufferable 
But when you notice later on, like in the Batcave when he's listening and when they go keep going into the Chrono Ball, he's like, no, we got to keep trying. We got to keep trying. It's like we got to see that growth and at the same time have an established character by having the same character. Like I thought that was good. Well, it also shows yeah. how much his mother has affected his life. He knows that if this universe goes down, he loses his mother and his father. And so it like now these two berries can kind of connect on on how important, you know, family is because he's about to lose his and he's had them. And this yeah. is a this is a berry that was kind of taking his mother for granted. Uh, you know, the monkey toy that the, the mother gave the original you know barry barry from earth one basically like you know he treasured that thing and in this one he's on the dartboard and (laughs) you know barry's apartment is kind of a mess and he has to clean it up really quick before iris gets there and you know barry from like we'll just call it earth two barry the younger barry is his place is clean because his mother comes over and cleans it up for him and and, you know, it's just like little things like that, that our Barry is seeing like that he that he doesn't have in his life. And he feels like this Barry's taken it for granted. So I, I feel like they're they're even though the one Barry's trying to tell him like this universe is doomed, this is an, an, an inevitable intersection. They both can kind of finally connect on the fact that they both have something to lo- like they he's lost something and now he's got something to lose. Philip, another thing yeah. that I'm surprised that I, you know, that you haven't talked about or, or, or appreciated in this movie, and maybe you do, I'll find out, is the fact that in Man of Steel, we saw the open pod in the Kryptonian ship. And we've mm-hmm. always kind of like, you know, it was confirmed by Snyder that, yes, that was that was Kara Zor-El, that was Supergirl. And we never saw that in the Snyder movies. And this movie didn't throw that away. This movie, basically, in this other universe, you know, there was another ship that that showed up. And so in that pod, it was her and she did survive. And I feel mm-hmm. like he tried to, you know, I think... I think he tried to to do Zack Snyder right there. And I think – didn't Zack Snyder see the movie? I'm uh, not sure. I don't know. I think there I'm was a sure. fake – I honestly think like I saw a post from Vero and it was Zack Snyder saying he saw The Flash and he loved it. I think it was a fake. <laughs> so, it was a fake. Yeah, yeah. that was fake. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, uh, Sasha Cali is Supergirl. Of- Oh, she was another highlight. Yes. Um, I'm actually surprised she was not in as much of the movie as I thought she would be. Like the parts that she was in, she like uh, she owned the scene like um, her performance was so intriguing. Um, I, I think that if they do continue this actress as this character going forward, like I wouldn't be I wouldn't complain about that. Um um, she was, um, uh, it was so good. Um, I, I, I think, surprised. yeah, I think she, in, in, I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I, I think she inadvertently gave herself an awesome audition for Supergirl going forward because like you said, I think she did a phenomenal job. I, I just, it's a shame. It seems like we saw most of the scenes in these trailers that, that mm-hmm. she was in yeah. except for kind of the very end. But I thought, I thought she, she brought passion. She, she was, um, uh, you know, emotional, uh, you know, they did those elements of flashpoint where, uh, you know, 
uh, from especially from the animated movie. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought it was so well done. You know, the scene where he talks about, you know, the uh, Kal-El, you know, the infant didn't survive. And that's when yeah. she just goes nuts, you know, with that. Yeah. It, yeah. Just really, really loved everything that every scene that she was in. That's the part I got. I got emotional when Zod said the infant did not survive. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, a world without Superman. And just to see like the anger on her face and then she blasts him. Uh, and I was just like, this is this is awesome. This is awesome. So d- does that mean that the codex was implanted into her? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I, after the, after she got after she was like mortally wounded, you saw they brought that device and they oh put it yeah. like on her midsection, yeah. injected to extract her blood. Yeah, he even so, says yeah. at one time that he thought that the codex was in the in the in the baby but it was actually in her so yeah it was uh Jarrell had an, had put it inside her which i thought was a cool yeah. cool twist there i love i love the scene where where they did the man of steel the scene in the desert where where, where superman was supposed to sur- surrender himself and zod's like well so there's no one here and then they just start obliterating people yeah, yeah. just ships open fire heat the, everything just was g- Going nuts. I love alternate. I love alternate takes on different movies that I love. The soldier so that it, got kind of cool. Joe, would you know this? The sol or 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 Philip or, or uh, the soldier that got killed when he pulled the when he pulled the blade out and sliced him. Was that Christopher Maloney's character, or was that someone else? Oh, it might have been. Um, yeah, I didn't see his face. I don't yeah. remember his face, but I think that was it was supposed to be him. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious. I didn't know if that was that was him or not. But uh, I man, uh, all the um, uh, Back to the Future kind of references in this movie. Just <laughs> talking. Oh, I love the subtle differences. It was so funny. <laughs> you know, just like even talking about you know they they were talking about the movie Back to the Future, and of course in this universe it's Eric Stoltz. That, yeah. you know, he finished the movie. Uh, we saw the Eric Stoltz tattoo on the calf of the one dude. <laughs> and then they talked about how, you know, Michael J. Oh, no, Michael J. Fox was in Footloose and Kevin Bacon was in Top Gun. And then <laughs> but there was a lot of other like Back to the Future kind of elements in this. I, I wanted to kind of like throw these out there that, you know, when they used the bat kite to harness the lightning, it reminded me of harnessing the lightning and Back to the Future to get the DeLorean. Um, what, you know, once it hits 88 miles per hour and then it kind of reminded me of like, um, you know, uh, Michael Keaton's character was kind of like the doc of the whole group Mm -hmm. and, and then Barry hanging out with the younger version of himself reminded me of Marty McFly hanging out with the same age version of his father, George McFly. And because one was, you know, one was kind of dorky and the one was a little bit older, you know, one was more mature. And so I, I saw some back to the future elements uh, with that as well. If, if the script in like 2018 was anything like this, then I could see why they would have gotten or try to get Robert Zemeckis. Like it would have been so meta to have a Robert Zemeckis directed film reference it whether they be in story beats or just verbal references of one of his own movies i wonder if that's why 
There was also um, an alternate Star Wars poster in Barry Two's apartment. Was it Revenge of the Jedi? It said Star Treason. Oh. Star Treason. And the only thing that gives – the only thing – so it's more like a – not like a poster but more like a flyer. But it says Star Treason and it's in the Star Wars font. Like that's the only thing that gives – that actually lets you know that that's that's this universe's version of Star Wars is that the the, uh, the S and the R – are sh- are shaped in that unmistakable Star Wars font, but it says Star Treason. Yeah, I wonder if George Lucas, even in other universes, keeps tinkering with his movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I attended this all along. Geez. Yeah, and in that version, it was actually Kurt Russell who played uh, Han Solo. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, he did, he screen tested for the role. So did uh, oh, wow. so did Christopher Walken, I think. I knew Christopher uh, Kurt, Walken did. Yeah. yeah, Kurt Russell did Han. Um, Robert England was up for Luke. Oh wow, Freddie! Yeah, Freddie is Luke. He and Mark Hamill. That's were right. They were roommates, so, right? Yeah. And he came back uh, and he told him about it. Yeah, and he said, "Listen, I I don't think this is going to work out. I think, but I think you should do that." And that was how Mark Hamill got the audition. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that story. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a wild story. Um, let's see here. I let's talk about uh, Keaton's Batman. What did you guys think? I I personally I I I personally kind of loved it. Um, yes. Yeah, Joe. What did you think? Dude, it was it was everything I wanted it to be. I grew up watching that 89 Batman movie. It was something that I've seen. I mean, I've seen that movie so many times and just seeing so many of the familiar set pieces in it when they first go in to the the Bruce Wayne mansion, uh when they go down the 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 steps into the kitchen, uh they see the long table on the way in and they go through the the room that has all the weird uh you know, like armor type figures where they have the the king of the wicker people conversation in the 89 batman movie um it, it was it was great i love seeing keaton back in it again you can tell that he's still got passion for the character because both his bruce wayne and his batman were both spot on and it, it was a nostalgic treat for me for sure well, one thing i loved about that scene is just like the t- there's a there's a talk between the two berries as they're walking through um the place and they see the bells on the wall um, yeah. that, which is what, how they would like, you know, ring the servants in the, in the kitchen to let them know that they need something from the other rooms. And, you know, the, the older Barry's like, you've never, you've never seen Downton Abbey. And he's, he, Downton Abbey doesn't <laughs> exist in that universe. And he starts talking about this. He's like, no, but I've heard about, and he's talking about some kind of restaurant called Abbey's and they have really good zucchini blossoms or something. And I was just like listening to this bizarre conversation. <laughs> And uh, I just kind of like this Bruce Wayne in a cupboard. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's in the cupboard comes out. I love seeing him fight. He looked great. And it was awesome to see him fight later on with the Russians. And it was awesome to see him. Man, that scene where he's going up against the big brutish Kryptonian and he's placing the the bombs off. That's straight out of that's straight out of like uh, uh, Justice League Unlimited type stuff where he would do where he's grabbing onto people, putting bombs, coming to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. and we get yeah. and we basically got a uh, 
like an Affleck warehouse scene, but with Keaton in Russia and using oh. the vintage batarangs yeah. multiple times, which finally, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. uh, it was um, the, the one thing I think they if you're going to throw Easter eggs in movies, the one thing they that the Machete totally missed was with this being an older Batman is having the giant penny and the T-Rex in the in the Batcave. I yeah. was like, if I saw <laughs> that, I would be like, oh, my God, they they get it. Yeah. Um, All covered in dust. Oh, yeah, incredible. yeah, but I, I, and I liked, uh, I liked his explanation of how the multiverse got fucked up, you know, with the spaghetti and yeah, with uncooked spaghetti and that was really spaghetti. smart. Yeah. Um, What's the so, parmesan? I think it's just parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a garnish. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I think what they did with his character, it's it, this is a nice. Um, this is a nice end to that character. Too, it's too bad because it, we would yeah. love to see a, a Batman Beyond with with yeah. him as as the the older, oh, wiser mentor. Perfect. Well, that's what they were talking about mm-hmm. doing is having you know Keaton be the Batman going forward before James Gunn took over, and we knew that we were going to get more Keaton Batman and Batgirl, which has been shelved forever. And so, yeah, yeah it's I think this is a this is the swan song for uh, Keaton Batman. Sadly. Well, that was supposed to be like one of the original endings that they've changed multiple times was was before the gun taking over that Keaton was going to be at the end of the movie, like, not Clooney. They filmed and, it. Yeah, they filmed it. They, there there are shots forward, of him on be, set. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's I, I do have to admit I was so let me just talk about this, the, the, the the cameos type thing. Um, the the. The day uh, before I went to see The Flash, I for whatever reason, I started watching this, the penultimate episode of the series finale of The Adventures of Superman. The Perils of Superman is the episode, one of my favorites. And then to to see George Reeves on screen – and the, the, the funny thing is my youngest son's text message ringtone is that look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane from the intro. So when I heard that, I instantly looked down at my phone. And then I yeah. see a black and white Superman up there, which was amazing. And then, um, you know, the, the Christopher Reeve, Helen Slater one, I, I just started to get emotional with. Yeah, they've I, never been – they never shared the screen. So this was like oh. yeah. we finally right. get to see yeah. that, which I thought was cool. Yeah. I, you know, it, I'm sure it, it, the CG wasn't great with that. Um, I don't know if maybe using archival footage would have been better. I'm, someone's going to deep fake this much better, just like they did with Luke at the end of the, the Mandalorian. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just it's crazy. We should be able to get things to look you know like that. Um, and as soon as I saw that fucking spider, I was like, God damn, Nick Cage mm-hmm. in the movie. I started talking. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, we're going to Nick Cage. So um, and then we also got the 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 laughing that the bag of uh, the oh, Joker. The bag of la- yes. Yeah. Laughing thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Nicolas so Cage I, thing. I, I heard that. Was that the thing that Muschietti spoiled on the Internet? I didn't. I didn't I, know about it. There, there was. There were know. articles. I all of that. There were articles uh, out there that he in a. Uh, I think it might have been like a like a, one of the international outlets. He was having a conversation, and he and I don't know why he said it. Maybe to get more people to come in and see the movie. He was worried about the box office, but I think he he slipped up and and revealed something. I I didn't know if it was the Nicolas Cage Superman. I avoided the articles because I knew I was seeing the movie. Um, so I avoided it. I did know 
not 100%, but there were already rumors out there on the internet that uh, Ezra Miller's Flash ends up in the Clooney universe. And I don't, it's not 100% the Clooney universe. It's not the Joel Schumacher, you know, um, version, but it it, it is, uh, it is that Batman, uh, Clooney Batman. So that rumor was already out there. I didn't know if it was confirmed or not, but when I saw the movie, I thought that that was fun. They definitely disguised that voice though. Yes, yes. they did. Over the phone. Mm-hmm. Cause it sounded mm-hmm. like, it sounded, it sounded like it could have been Ben Affleck. It didn't sound like Keaton, but it sure as hell didn't sound a hundred percent like George Clooney. Agreed. Yeah. I, I didn't care for the Arthur Curry post credit scene. Me neither. I yeah. thought it was the biggest waste of time post credit scene. I was disappointed that I sat through everything to watch that. Yeah, I actually the second time I saw the movie, I kind of I just walked out and didn't watch the the <laughs> call. the post credit scene again. I just thought it was kind of a waste of time. Even mm-hmm. the first did you time did around. you notice the uh, during when I think they were in the Batwing we the the joke about when when Barry two turned his head in inside yes. the towel and yes. it was all <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny because I mean it was it, you know Keaton would always talk about how you could not turn your head in that suit and the way he turned his head was so awkward and the goofy look on his face <laughs> oh I loved it I thought that, that was brilliant. Well, so the other thing I was just reading the story about today is I thought that the the Jay Garrick Flash scene I thought that was Teddy Sears from season two of the CW Flash which it wasn't apparently oh it wasn't I thought it was no. I thought it was I but read the, that it was no they inter- they they talked to him and he's like no I'm not in it but that's kind of cool so it, it was just somebody who kind of looked like him but there again no reason not to if you're gonna have these other cameos mm-hmm. there's yeah. no reason not to have not to have uh, the 80 that john wesley ship flash yeah, yeah. and yeah. grant gustin flash Gustin's, in that scene yeah. I, I just i actually got it unless I, it's money i got an email here and it's from kevin shanks and he says hey brian and joe as always love the show and thanks for putting in the metric fuck ton of work that it takes to bring us pcl week to week i cannot tell you how many three days you guys and jake too have gotten me through i saw the flash and i really loved it tupperware all freaking day Kind of weird to say that about a DC movie, but I did have one question. All the cameos were neat, even with the stylized weird CGI choices, but why did Andy Muschietti pick Teddy Sears for that one Jay Garrick Flash cameo? He wasn't even actually Jay in the Grant Gustin TV show. He was Zoom pretending to be Garrick in the show. Or maybe I'm wrong, and that wasn't Sears, but it looked a lot like the guy. Really wish they could have gotten Gustin as Barry for a cameo, or even John Wesley Shipp as Jay. I'm probably thinking too much about it. Anyway... Love you guys and the show. Peace. P.S. Oh, yeah. He says uh, he loves the Star Wars bumper. Um, <laughs> but uh, that I thought I and I had been I had actually saw a couple of other outlets saying that it was Sears. But I always wondered, too, why they didn't get John Wesley Ship in there to play that. And why didn't we get to see him as like another multiverse version of The Flash? That was a show that I grew up watching. I would watch week to week. Um, I've since bought it Love on it. DVD. I loved it too. My favorite episodes, I loved the Mark Hamill tinkerer stuff. And I loved, my favorite episode was the Captain Cold episode. I, I loved that as a kid. And so I'm very nostalgic about that, um, 
that that, that may have been. I'm trying to remember. I think the, uh, with the with the having to refuel with calories. I think that was the origin of it in the TV show. Oh, and really? Then they adapted that into the comics after that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's. It, I, that, have that's, a, I have the DVD set too, Brian. I have that too. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. yeah. I they. Uh, let me read this. Maybe this I haven't read the article, but it, the, the Flash director confirms cut cameos. Maybe they address it in here. I doubt it. Um, let me see if I can just see. I'll read it later, if anything. Hmm. Yeah, I'll read that later. Uh, we'll talk about this. Why, yeah, why can they? Uh, you got to think that John Wesley Shipp is gonna he, he'd be available to come in for a day and film something. Oh, for yeah, sure. Easy. Well, it, or just use archival footage from your WB show. I mean, it's all owned by Warner Brothers, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's what they did with the Adam West stuff and the exactly. You know, and it's like they're willing to use archival footage from a television property that, sure, it's famous, but it's not even the Flash. Whereas you've got this very acclaimed Flash TV show that you could have pulled Grant Gustin. You could have, like, if you really wanted that Jay Garrick to be John Wesley Ship. There's all sorts of stuff from like like late season two and season three on where he's playing jay garrick ezra he's miller in the full jay garrick costume uh, yeah well and ezra miller flash shows up in the flash series that's yeah. right there was that yeah. moment so it, i wonder if there is some sort of animosity that goes on because we've speculated it on the marvel side between the the marvel tv stuff and the mcu proper and i wonder if that's something that just happens to exist in this business 100 percent, joe there's yeah. a, there's t there's tv people and executives and there's movie people and, exactly. they, and very rarely do they want to kind of do that spaghetti across everything it's it's just it's weird i mean grant grant gustin is is a really good flash uh and he is. he's fantastic you, i mean they could have in the finale i mean they could have had multiverse flashes help him type thing you know mm-hmm. he had john wesley ship he had grant gustin uh, you could have done you could have done all that kind of stuff and and use them. So, um, you know, it's it's you know, it's one of the, I guess they can only do so many things with it. Uh, I mean, sure, they had to get, you know, Chris Reeves family approval. Of course, Helen Slater is still alive. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of things that uh, I was happy with those. I was happy with those to see see Christopher Reeve and Helen Slater next to each other in that kind of swooping yeah. camera shot with yeah. the sun and everything. It was like. Oh it's my cool. God, that's 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 amazing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, um, it's and and part of it is also because uh, Helen Slater was absolutely charming as Supergirl. Like it was, it's so it was so unfortunate that she only got one shot at it because Supergirl is a it, it is not good at all, but she brought it. Like she brought the genuineness the the dramatic gravity and was and she was endearing and it's so sad oh, yeah. that she never got a second one but yeah the her and um and Christopher Reeve never got any side by side shots so it was nice not just seeing him and her but also seeing them si- standing side by side I mean they could I mean we could have even had you know Melissa Benoit Supergirl show up we could have had you know uh uh, uh Stephen Amell's Green Arrow pop up for a second. I mean, fans would have gone nuts. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, while they're 
having these different worlds come in and showing clips from them, having an Arrowverse world just would have made sense. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, just, you know, it would have been a nice, it would have been a nice nod. Yeah, a nice nod, exactly. Yeah. And it's like they, <laughs> they could have just used archival footage. They didn't need to do anything, but. Yeah. Oh, I, well, but. I want to talk, man, I really loved the Bat Black action scene that we got of him going after the falcons and oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. you know the the chemical the, the chemical warfare they were about to use they they had robbed uh you know a chemical plant of like some kind of like um, you know chemical warfare that they were planning on you know maybe unleashing on Gotham City and man that whole scene with the bat cycle was amazing he you know with the the spike strip that he throws out then they have to take an alternative route and i mean i just i thought it was i thought it was fantastic they like i loved the the bat cycle when they started shooting at him and he put up the shields and and we saw the bullets bouncing off and god damn it i thought that that was a great scene what'd you think of the blue and gray suit i loved it yeah i thought it looked really really good in action and i it was very bulky in the in yes. the standstill scenes towards the end, but it makes sense considering where this Batman is at in his career, and also just seeing all the abuse he took when he was more or less pavement skiing behind that getaway vehicle. Mm-hmm. It's like he's got to have some sort of armor on at this point in his career to be able to keep doing this, and and then tying the whole thing up with with the Gal Gadot uh, cameo and the humor that they worked into that. It was I thought it was a perfect bow <laughs> on it, and it was a really nice swan song. For for Ben Affleck's Batman, Batman. Which I thought another... that scene was cut. I thought they had cut her scene, is what I read, you know, months ago. With that, so for her to show up, I was I was so happy. Yeah, <laughs> I was surprised too. I had heard that she was in it, but I thought I too thought she was cut because um, Cavill was in this too, but he was yeah. completely like he was supposed to show up at the end. Yeah, um, they uh, yeah the the I loved. Uh, Batman saying stuff like, you know, why am I out here fighting crime when I sh- when I could solve Gotham's issues with uh, just by, you know, using my money to take care of poverty, and <laughs> I, you know, and then Barry admitting to being a virgin. It was just, you know, I know what the concept of sex is. <laughs> well, yeah. And he said in Batman, he's I think then he say something like and, and instead I've adopted this per- personality and to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I won't say thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I've adopted this personality to deal with my childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I too have childhood trauma. The guy, <laughs> the, the robbers <laughs> ringing in. He's, I too have childhood trauma. <laughs> and how Barry tries to save it. He's like, by the way, that sex was a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, I really, I, I've not been the biggest fan of Batfleck um, at the beginning, but I'd say like the last two entries, I really liked him in Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I yeah. really liked him in, in this, and it really was kind of, kind of, kind of sad. I was as I was watching that action scene, and I was thinking to myself, you know, we never got that solo batman movie yeah it just never happened and that's kind of a shame that we never got that you know well this whole era of of those characters ben affleck never got a very good batman movie and i loved man of steel but it would have been great for henry cavill to get something to that he could really more chew on the character and actually get to the essence of what it is it's not just a an origin movie and actually seeing like a 
seasoned Batman and su- seasoned Superman in the mix, it was potential that they never got to in this. And it's a real yeah. bummer that those actors never got to show us what they could do because they had mm-hmm. moments of brilliance in all of it. Did you notice that when we went through the chrono, like the, the chrono bowl, that when we did get to see like the flashbacks from episodes of uh, not episodes, but the, uh, the, the um, Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. We never. Yeah, we saw, st- it was like she saw like shirtless Cavill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we saw you know we saw Batman, we saw Wonder Woman. They never. Warner Brothers did not. I feel like Warner Brothers did not allow them. It did not want them to show any Ray Fisher cyborg at all. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He was yeah. very, very like, conspicuously absent. Even the even like when he's looking up on the computer, looking up you know cyborg. And we see the jersey from behind, like no, no picture of Ray Fisher's face, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's not a hero in this universe, I, in this movie. I mean, I mean, universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about when he calls when he calls up uh, um, uh, Curry's father, <laughs> dad, Tamara Morrison, and he's oh, like, "Your so wife funny. is the queen of Atlantis." He looks over. Yeah, that was yeah, great. No. <laughs> That was great. I loved that. That was really funny. I want to talk to Arthur. You want to talk to the dog? <laughs> oh man, I, I I I loved revisiting the scenes from Man of Steel and seeing them play out differently. And had if there if there was going to be more to this, I would have seen this in a different way because yeah i i I wish there would have been more i i i could not get past the the knowledge that this is this is a form of erasure like this is not only the end but it's it's wiping from existence um if we knew that there was going to be more, it would have been intriguing. Like it was uh, like, I would have been a lot, excuse me. Like my enthusiasm would have been a lot more receptive um, to this because I, there were some parts that I liked and there were some parts that I think were done well. And there were some parts that I think were done extraordinarily well. It's, it's a shame really that we have, uh, this movie that you know most of us, most of us here at least, um, responded to very well and very positively, and yet at the same time it's like yeah, but nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna come from this. Like there's not gonna, there's most likely not gonna be a sequel. We're most likely not gonna see these these you know characters uh, like this again. So it's like it, it's kind of like I kept this movie at arm's length because I didn't want to get hurt again. Which I know sounds very like weirdly deeply psychological, but it's like I came into this very very guarded, um, and even still, there were some parts that I genuinely responded to. I wish we were getting more. Like it, that's the that when I said I don't hate the movie, like that's something I'm referring to. Like I would love to know more about you know how Nora died. I, I would love to know more about you know, Supergirl and, and especially uh, Michael Keaton's Batman. It's like, this was enough to whet our appetites and then rip it away from our hands and say, you're never going to get this again. I just wish that so, you could separate 
your feelings for the erasure yeah. part and just have the movie stand on its own. The fact that it makes you want more makes me feel like you're, yeah. you like it a little bit more than you're letting on. It's just, you've got I, this other internal yes. struggle. And so, yes. cause I, me, I, you know, I've, I, I've, I'm at the level of, I'm at acceptance. I understand. Like, I, I feel like this whole experiment of them starting with Zack Snyder and then with bringing in Joss Whedon and the studio and all this stuff. It's at the, when you put out a justice league movie that doesn't make a billion dollars, like, you know, studio involvement, Zack Snyder, all this stuff, like you guys screwed the pooch. It's gotta, something's gotta give like, you know, something's gotta change. And so, but I felt like as far as like, I don't know, um, back to like th- this, this, this whole scene. I, man, I loved it. I love seeing Michael Shannon come back and play Zod again. I love that this universe doesn't have a, a, a Superman. They don't have a Wonder Woman. Uh, 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 getting to see this, getting to see this play out without Superman and how different it was. And how it was an, an, an inevitable intersection to where Zod wins. Like, it's the end of this universe. Yeah, and it really – sh- fast. Yeah. And it shows you just how much the world needs a Superman, how important yeah. that character is. And I that really resonated with me. And, uh, man, I they could have kept showing us over and over again the different ways that they tried to stop him. And I, I oh, it yeah. would not have got old for me because I was – I was thoroughly invested. I I loved um the oh the 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 Barry's new suit. I absolutely loved the yes. new suit that he got and the way that it kind of like cuz we saw like the speed force energy from before in previous movies and it was always blue. This one kind of like he was able to kind of like control and harness the energy to where he didn't have to expel it like the other Barry did without that suit. And I liked it when he said, I'm going to go emperor on this guy. And he like, yes. oh, yeah, <laughs> starts hitting him with the lightning because he's got to expel that. He, he charges up too much and he's got to get rid of some of that charge. And, uh, you know, just little things like that. I really appreciated that they just, you know, kind of gave it a little bit of science, you know. Oh, this was the best live action flash suit that we've ever seen. Like, and it it wasn't even close. Um, I know that that we've seen lots of different iterations throughout the seasons of the Flash TV show, but this one I thought was the most comic accurate. And I, I, in terms of like more modern, like DC rebirth and and on up, like that's. Oh, yeah. It's very, yeah, very, very, yeah, very new 52. Yes. Yeah. You know, with and, the with the with the pulse pulsing, you know, the light with the yellow and orange pulsing mm-hmm. through the suit. Um, yeah, I liked. Yeah, it. I, and I, again, I think, I think they, I think they did a good job with that Dark Flash character when then they kind of had that that scene where it is it is Barry too. Yeah. Just perpetually trying to fix this, and it's one of those that you can't fix it. Uh, and as you know, he's getting impaled with Kryptonian weapons and that's just more bonding to him. So like I said at the beginning, I was very worried about the Dark Flash character because the toys look god awful. <laughs> and <laughs> but but this made this act this made this made sense with what the, what they were doing. And uh um it's you know the it's just that's one of those things and the, you know the flashpoint is kind of like the opposite of the of the spider verse message. Like flashpoint you 
in the normal Flashpoint stories, you know, you you have to allow your mom to dive in order to save countless others, you know. Yep. So you're, you know, versus, you know, accepting or not accepting canon events like in the Spider-Verse. So it's a little bit different take on it. But uh, I, I think that I think that that piece of it was well done. And then, again, the movie had heart that that like Philip, like you said at the beginning, that end scene with the mother, I was I was gone. Yeah. I was just it was so beautiful, so touching. Um, and I, I got the same way at the end of the, uh, season one of the CW flash with that scene, you know, yes. where she calls him my beautiful boy. I'm mean, just like, Oh my God, you guys are killing me. Just, just, uh, you know, and this, that's one of the things that some of these recent movies were, uh, were missing is that, is that, that heart of the story. And, and it, he, he, they did a great job just nailing that emotional, y- you love the mother. Yeah. At the beginning, you're like, yes. wow, this is beautiful, great relationship. And you, you just you kind of saw that full circle and where he is in flash well, time. His mother's saying the- all, not all problems can be solved. Yes. And, and the exactly. fact that that's that, so smart. And the fact that, like, you know, Barry one tells that to Barry two in the chrono bowl was like that was a huge moment. Yeah, that yeah. was that was his moment of accepting that mm-hmm. this is not the outcome that I want. But you can tell the older Barry comes to it so much sooner. And when him just trying to calmly and sadly explain it to his, his younger self, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I've never yeah. I have ne- I don't I've never been so emotional over a can of crushed tomatoes in my life. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like next time I go through the supermarket, if I drop to my knees and start crying in the canned food <laughs> aisle, you'll know why. <laughs> But like really said, when he was when he was in that when he was in that when he was in the flash time still and he takes the can out of the cart and mm-hmm. it comes back over and her hand is next to his face and he's he's you know recites you know what they used to say to each other just yeah you know just a beautiful moment beautiful yeah. moment yeah oh you know and another I I absolutely loved the reveal of um, him placing the crushed tomatoes higher on the shelf to where they could get a good look at his father's face. And then, you know, goes out to do the, uh, you know, uh, interview with the media. And he just says, you know, uh, move the crushed cans to the higher shelf, uh, spaghetti. (laughs) And I was just, I was just like, like, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Uh, And then, oh my God. I was not expecting when he smiled for the tooth to just pop out, you know? Yes, it was a really funny callback. Yes. The other funny scene was when they were going into the lab to recreate the you know, the chemical accident. Yeah. And afterwards where he didn't realize he lost his powers and he was doing the dramatic – Thing, and then he's running in circles around the room, like with no powers. <laughs> and he tries his vibrate, arms. <laughs> then he tries to vibrate through the door. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and they, what they before that, what they did was an awesome representation of vibrating your molecules to go through. And you see the yes. eyeball, you know, Barry yeah. Sue's eyeball come to the to the door and then kind of warp. Like we've really never seen anything like that for no. that that part of his powers. Did you guys notice the poster, the Raquel Welch? poster that he had Uh and when he phases through it it like it reminded me of shawshank redemption shawshank redemption yeah Yeah. 
Yeah. I thought that that was a, a nice touch as well. Um, yeah, I thought the phasing effect, like especially for that close-up when you can see like the molecules sort of like moving around each other. Yeah. Like the phasing effects, um, I, I that was neat. And then when younger Barry first got it and he phased through the floor. <laughs> yes. I, that was – yeah. It's like – it's moments like that when you just sort of lean forward with a smile because it's like – Shit, if this were possible, yeah, that would totally happen. If he just thinks of it, he totally does it, but the clothes would stay behind. And yeah. you could hear his downstairs neighbor shrieking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I love it when he runs out of his apartment, too, and causes so much mayhem. <laughs> oh, God, yes. And they played the perfect song, too. What was the song again? Oh, how, how it's um, we are young, we are free. Yes, yes. <laughs> and oh, um, oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Somebody else save me. Somebody bail me out. <laughs> uh, too, 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 too much pressure. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that I didn't bring up when we were talking about Supergirl is I think it was a really, really smart switch to go from Superman to Supergirl because in this part part of the comics and in the, the Flashpoint Paradox animated mm. movie, it's it's a like a skinny, very weak looking uh, Kal-El that they find. And otherwise, it, it plays out very similar. They He helps them during the escape, and then he's gone and off on his own, and then eventually right. he comes back and joins in the fight. But I think that this was a really smart way to change it up and, and give you a, give a Supergirl instead. Oh, I loved and watching her hand was, as it started to, like, at the, when the sun hit it outside. Yeah, and the yes. flesh started filling out. Like yeah. It was, yeah. It was, like, really, like, like, because she was so emaciated before, uh-huh. and then and watch then it, you the, know, the Russian her back. Russian soldiers shooting at her. The bullets are bouncing off, but you're still seeing like holes being made in like that potato sack or whatever the fuck she's wearing. <laughs> yes. and then and then the way she's just tossing guys around, like she has no respect for humanity. And it's that's another thing that I loved about this Barry. It's like she asked him later, like when you found me and I wasn't Kalel, why did you? Why did you yeah, why help? Why did you save me? Yeah, why did you, why save, did you me? save me? And, you know, he's basically, he basically says, you know, I'm paraphrasing, like, you know, you needed help. You know, we, that's yeah. what, that's what yeah. I needed to do. And so, like, Barry, again, not only, I know she doesn't, I know she doesn't defeat Zod, but on the flip side, it's like, it's like that one act of humanity, like, yeah, you know, it, it, it made, it made a difference. Well, and she called back to it too because when he when uh, he's carrying her out of the cell, he looks down at her and he says, "I've got you." Mm. And then later on, when older Barry is trying to get his powers back and she carries him up to the sky, she says, "I've got you." Uh, so it's like, yes. yeah, uh, yeah, good one, um, good one, Phil. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Sasha Callie brought it like this was um I, I had a feeling that she was going to knock this out of the park oh um, she did this yeah. was and, and mm-hmm. she absolutely did yes so i don't know what is going to happen with this particular portrayal with this actress i don't know but 
Um, it was it the, like I said, it wet my appetite. Like I want to see, I I want to see more. Well, that's the thing. It's well, like if we, you watch any interviews with with her, she's such a, a a great personality. She you could tell she just loves the character. She's yeah. very animated, so it's such a pleasure. If you watch any of the YouTube videos of interviews, she's just—it's just a joy to, to well, listen. And to her. did you see the Zoom meeting where she got where she found out? Yes. She had it's oh, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's so moving. Like she, because she falls out of the frame too. Like she tumbles over, like out of out of excitement. Like it's it's legitimately heartwarming um, to see. So there's not just the talent that she brought into her portrayal of the character but i mean similar to gal gadot um like you can just sense that she is a naturally like charming person of just this very likable um uh just personable personality like that and that genuineness fits with the character hopefully james gunn finds a place for her i mean there's you know there's actors that you know we've seen in some of these uh, superhero movies that never get a second chance at, that does definitely deserve a second chance as the characters. I believe she's one of them. I'm also like, yeah. I'm also like holding out hope that in, you know, in, in Deadpool three, which we know, you know, uh, Hugh Jackman's going to be in. I'm hoping, I'm praying that we get to see Daphne Keene come back and play X 23. Oh, yes. that'd be incredible. So, you know, fingers yeah. crossed, fingers crossed that Sasha Cali, you know, maybe James Gunn will find something for, I mean, he liked what he saw here and, it, you know, we're getting Machete coming back and directing Brave and the Bold. I loved what he did with Batman in this movie. So I have a yes. lot of, I've got a lot of faith. <laughs> well, in, and the humor should go well with Damian Wayne. So yes, oh, without a doubt. Yes. Yes. Give me Nightwing too. Yes. I can't oh, imagine yes. a Damian yes. Wayne without Nightwing. I, I, part of my, yeah, some of my favorite interactions. brother. Yeah, I love their interactions, man. <laughs> he needs that older brother. Well, in fact, if they want to be really brave and give us the whole Bat family in that, so that we can get the like the all the brothers interacting with Damien mm-hmm. in the different ways that he hates and respects all of them, it was it would be fantastic. Yeah, man, I love this. I love this movie. I can't wait to own it. I cannot Same. wait to own it. I, really, I look forward to seeing it again. Yeah. And uh, it's a shame that, you know, we got this whole thing, you know, surrounding Ezra Miller that, mm-hmm. you know, they really let a lot of people down, you know, yeah. studio fans, fans of the character. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, uh, I, I, what I if, think a lot of these actors need to realize that if you're signing on to play this, like a part of you, like if you're into some deviant shit in, in your personal life, mm-hmm. maybe don't sign up to be a hero because, for lots of people out there, you know, especially kids, you're going to embody that character. And then if if in real life you end up being some sort of fucking you know, not good person, shitbag, it, it reflects. Yeah, a real shitbag. It, it reflects poorly on on the character and it tarnishes a legacy of what you've done. You know, yeah, Mar- Marvel's dealing with it now with, you know, the twice twice now. Yeah. I was going to bring up oh, it's t- unbelievable with uh, Namor, yeah. Tina Cuerta being accused and, and uh, Jonathan majors and that. And so, you know, I, I'm sure they're, I'm glad that studios, I, I, I want them to investigate this stuff before they start making decisions though. You know, they need oh, to, yeah, I, they can't just be tried in the court of public opinion. Uh, yeah, and I, well, I feel like that's, legit. I feel like that was a thing. 
Like it was like there's accusations and you're out, you're gone. I think that there needs to be investigations and things like that before they, you know, start letting people. Because I don't, you know, the whole Justin Roiland thing with Rick and Morty, they did the investigation and found nothing. So I don't, you know, and, you know, I don't know what happened there. I really, I don't follow this stuff as closely as some other people. But, you know, like, I mean, the guy doesn't have a job now, apparently. So, you know, they, they let, they cut him immediately. Didn't wait for the investigation. So... Moment of silence. Nobody knows what to say. What about what? About, what do you think is <laughs> going to go on with the Aquaman movie now? Is, because that's the big question. If this is well, supposed to reset everything, then you, now you have Aquaman coming out. Post credit scene is going to address this movie. Yeah, yeah. This will take it, place I, I before. Think that is the only reason why that post credit scene was the way it was because Aquaman wasn't in it otherwise. So this was just to for just to uh, not even to tease going forward but just to let you know that Jace Momoa is still Aquaman um at least for the next movie um i i i don't know how it's then going to go after that but i think it would be reasonable to assume that Aquaman 2 would occur in the wake of this Right. Um, but I don't know how they're then going to go from that to Superman Legacy. Hmm. That's that's for me the question mark. I don't know how they're gonna. We'll see Jason. Once... Momo- we'll see Momoa come back again as Lobo. Oh, I hope so, man. Oh. That would be inspired casting. I mean, and, and ironically, he can play very similar to the character he had. In in uh, in Aquaman, like it's like my man. It's like just like you know, just <laughs> switch it up just a little bit. <laughs> I I mean I think Fast X showed us that he could play a really good villain. Oh, mm-hmm. and, oh, that, his his portrayal in Fast X. I didn't know he had that in him to to play a character like that. It was it was really eye opening for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Philip, I'm with you, man. I really wish that we could get a uh, another movie giving us, you know, answers to like who killed Nora Allen. I guess we're just going to mm-hmm. have to speculate and because they, you know, Michietti has said the script for the second movie has been written. Yeah, and I I have to imagine that it was uh, a whole reverse Flash storyline. So yeah, if, I, I if think not, he said that. Like, I I think he said. That it is reverse flash, and that would be th- that's where the second, like it wasn't going to be a, a surprise reveal, but that was what the second movie was going to explore. It'd be cool if they could just, like, I don't know, just take that script and then have it be an animated feature at least. Yeah. But that'll probably get shelved. Nothing will happen with it. But, man, I, I did love this movie. I don't know. Did, I don't know if you guys had anything else that you wanted to talk about with the film. Any final thoughts? I, I guess for, for me, I know that there's a lot of dislike for this online right now. And I, I've seen lots of, of opinions of people saying that they didn't like it at all. I, I do think that it did suffer a little bit from being overhyped. But I, I went into it without really any expectations just going in to just see what i was going to get and and i loved it and 
I know opinions are always going to vary and hopefully people start to come around on this a little bit. It's not just bandwagoning, going in, expecting it to be bad and then purposefully picking it apart because there is a lot of fun to be had in this movie. For I'll, with an open mind. I'll tell you who was going in, hate and watch, hate watching it. <laughs> fucking yeah, I know. Jake fucking went in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> And I, 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 I even said that to him. He was like, yeah, I'm seeing The Flash. He's like, uh, you, know, I'm, you know, I've read some things, and I'm, now I'm really curious. I'm going to go see The Flash at 10 o'clock tonight. And I said, I get the feeling you just hate watching it. And he's like, I totally am. Next, next day, I get a text from him. And uh, let me see if I can find it here real quick. I'm going to pause. All right, yeah, I found the, found the message from him. Um, on a scale of one to ten babies in the microwave, I give Flash. <laughs> I give Flash eight and a half babies. It was shockingly, wow. it was shockingly quite good. And he, and he said, "I wanted to hate." LOL. Uh, it mostly charmed the pants off of me. So he. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Jake. Uh, Jake liked the movie. I mean, <laughs> once again, changing up the rating scale. Yeah, yeah, changing yeah, up the I was rating scale. Say, make that, make that the new rating scale. Yeah. How many babies in a microwave out of ten? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, ah, that's all, that's all I have. Uh, I don't know if you guys have anything that you wanted to 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 say to go out on. I will do. I do. I will do plugs here. Don't worry. No, I, I got nothing more to say about this one. I just say, if you haven't seen it, it's worth seeing in the theater. The spectacle's there. Just go in with an open mind and try to have fun. Oh, yeah. I got a couple articles here. Uh, Flash director confirms cut cameos. Let's see what he has to say. Um, there are also brief cameos involving a bunch of characters uh, from across D.C., both in film and on television as part of the film's climax Speaking with Vanity Fair, director Andy Muschietti confirms his first assembly cut of the film ran around four hours and was packed with more cameos than we ended up with. Uh, asked if the supersized version will ever be seen publicly. Muschietti says, maybe. I'm definitely more happy with this theatrical version than the four-hour version. Uh, Muschietti adds that at various points, the flash spanned from anywhere from three to five hours in the post-production process. The result was an editing process resulting in the removal of around an hour and a half uh, from the final cut. Uh, this includes a lot of cameos and homages left, um, homages left out. There's a lot of things that are in the movie that are on the edit room floor, but this is really the best version of the movie. Before calling the cut cameos interesting, some are more interesting than others. The big sequence dubbed the Cronable scene sees Miller's flash experience a cascade of realities. Producer Barbara Muschietti says the universes start colliding. And we had a lot more characters that we all know that we had to let go because there just wasn't the time. Um, that hall of fame of great characters and actors. There's so many, the list was endless. We had to choose. We had to pick among the confirmed cuts, uh, 1970s wonder woman star, Linda Carter, uh, Marlon Brando as Jorel. Burgess Meredith as the Penguin and Cesar Romero as the Joker. So there's, those were cut out. Um, and I think you could hear a Cesar Romero laugh in there. I think so, too. I think so. Oh, I wow. I know you could see the Batmobile all the way to the right of the screen. Yeah. Um, and then Muschietti talked about the VFX 
divisive VFX, discussing a scene at the beginning where Barry saves babies from a nursery on the brink of falling down. Mushita says the strange visuals are intentional, namely in the film's depiction of the speed force, how the world changes around Barry when he's running. Quote, the idea, of course, is we are in the perspective of the flash. Everything is distorted in terms of lights and textures. We enter this water world, which is basically being in Barry's POV. It was part of the design. So if it looks a little weird to you, that was intended. Okay. So, yeah, you know, I thought it looked, uh, you know, especially in the Chrono Bowl, it looked very like Polar Express graphics. Yeah. But yes, I, I even while watching it, I was thinking like this is they're doing this on purpose. That's the, yes. I Same. was like, there's no way in the fucking world that these are just like unfinished effects that, that they're going to throw out there and think, oh, this Great. is fine. So, yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> See, I was saying I thought so. So my thought was it because it just it looked like if you're going to go that route, maybe you need to go a little bit more that way. Because I thought like if you're going to do something, I was thinking of the the Man of Steel scene where Zod is narrating about their history, and it's that yeah, it's that grayish, you know, like that that hand device with the pins that you have. Yeah, you yeah. Push. yeah. Had that kind of look, like make it actually look like something you're intending it versus, hey, is this a PS2 cutscene or what? You know that kind of thing. That's that's the only thing that kind of yeah. I, I think it sent me the one. I guess I, I don't know. Maybe there is another way to depict how you see things in the Speed Force because I also did kind of like I after I got out of the movie, I was talking with someone else that had seen it. And I was like, I think, you know, we were talking about how we thought that it was intended to look that way. And I said, you know, just like the way the Kryptonian tech showed us like the flashbacks and Man of Steel. And they agreed with me. But I, Joe, maybe there's a different way they can show the speed force. But I just felt like it looked, you know, like like I said, Polar Express or yeah. like early CGI models of yes. how things and maybe they could have done it differently, but it wasn't enough to take me out of the movie or. Oh no! Yeah, or I, anything. I, yeah. I, I like I like the depiction. I actually that was a, a new depiction of like being in the Speed Force, where you're like in the center of this arena, and yeah. these events are kind of swirling around you. And then when he when he changed the events, and you saw like the. The, his birthday and learning how to shave and like the things that have changed. I thought that was, I thought it was a really cool depiction of something that we've, we've seen a few times. Yeah. The Flash it it kind of reminded me of the Tesseract in um, Interstellar, how it represented um, time as surrounding you. And the, with the way that it sort of surrounded him and moved like a carousel, it also like. Do you guys know what a zoetrope is? No. Um, it, it was. Um, it's from the late 1800s. Um, it, it is a cylinder with slits on the side, and you would put a slip of paper on the inside of the cylinder, and they would be like animation frames, and you would spin it, and you would look at it through where the slots are, and it would look animated. So if you look at it from above, it would just be a blur. But if you look at the zoetrope from the side, like where the slits are, it looks like 
it's and it it just makes it moving. Okay, yeah, I know what um, you're talking about now. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it is reminiscent of that. Yeah. Um. It, so yeah, it kind of looked like he was surrounded by a zoetrope that was also like moving outwards. Um. I, I, Brian, I'm totally with you. I just thought that it. There's no way that was not intentional. Like it looked to Uncanny Valley that it's like, okay, this I can see this was on purpose. And the look of the effects in the Chronable did not detract from anything about the like the movie. Like I totally get that it looks that way. So if Muschietti is saying that it is intentional, I don't think that's any sort of PR lip service. I do think he's being honest and um, I totally see it. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, That is all I have uh, for the flash. I want to thank our guests. Uh, Philip, thank you so much for joining us on this episode, man. Anytime at all. It's great to be back. Um, Hopefully next time I'll be in a better mood. <laughs> I will have you back for Superman Legacy. I'm sure you'll love it. Um, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> but I also want to thank uh, Joe Vitale of the Vintage Geeks podcast. Joe, what's going on over at Vintage Geeks? Well, we just, our Flash episode just dropped on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, it, Dave, we convinced us, so was, we had James Hop from rock with hop podcast and nerds. So he joined us and we both convinced David to actually go see the movie, which is he's going tomorrow. He was not going to go, but we convinced him otherwise. So uh, I'm interested to see his, his response. See a, if he hates it, man, then it's like, uh, why the fuck did we do that? Why did we get him to go see the movie? Why, 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 <laughs> well, why? And, well, I think, and I told him his, so of the the Snyderverse, he, Man of Steel uh, and Aquaman are his one two. I said, mm-hmm. I said if you because he hates Wonder Woman, we all know that. Uh, but I said if you like Aquaman, I said unless you're totally annoyed by Barry number two in the movie, I said it's going to be right up there. Yeah. I think with that for you. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Hopefully he likes it. I I was shocked. I mean I I was shocked that I loved it as much as I did. I got out of the movie and I was on a I was on a flash high, so I really, really enjoyed it. All right, but yeah, check out the Vintage Geeks, and uh, we are going to uh, PCL, uh, won't we? <laughs> no new episode next week. Uh, no new episode next week, but we will be returning. We're going to come back, and we're going to do a, uh, in two weeks, we're going to come back and do a uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny review. I Man, I've seen the movie. I don't know. What people are going to think about this one, I, I listen, my expectations for that movie were for it to just be better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And it more than does that. I, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. I think it was a um, you know, as far as it being the final film, I think I got everything I wanted. I really, awesome. really enjoyed the movie a lot. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I that, listened to your review on it earlier. It got me so stoked to see it. That's what I'm worried about because I am putting it out there that I love the movie. I gave it a Tupperware. I'm putting it out. It's, it's not the first three. It's not. But my God, if it doesn't have, like, you know, Mads Mikkelsen's a great villain. Uh, 
the MacGuffin's a lot better. And I did, I, I don't care what some of the critics are saying about the ending. I, I really, really like the ending um, because of what it means to Indiana Jones. I loved it. So I'm really hoping that uh, audiences love this movie as much as I did. And it looks like critic, I think it's got a fresh rating. Um, but it's not going to please everybody. It's not going to please everybody. Yeah, he's too old. He's this. He's that. And there's a there is a scene in the movie where you see a shirtless Harrison Ford at, at like eighty one, eighty two. I hope I look that good and fit when I'm his age. Oh wow! Yeah, because he, I mean, he for guy for a guy his age, he is he's really stayed pretty damn healthy. And for him to do, after all the injuries that he's had, like on the Star Wars set and in other movies, for him to do this movie, uh, it's it's unreal what he's done at his age. And if you don't like it, you're an ageist. I'm kidding. Um, it, <laughs> didn't, didn't they have a story but that they were they talking to him about they wanted him about the horseback riding and basically tell him to go fuck them? Yeah, because he rides all the time. Yes, yeah. And I'm telling you, man, that that horse riding scene with, during the ticker tape parade was one of my favorite parts of the movie. It was really, it was really cool. And there's some really great. Uh, um, there's like a really cool car chase that happens in Morocco and I, I'll put car chase in quotations, but man, it, it's got some really great action. It's got some really great action and it's not like they shy away from him being older. It's definitely addressed. So I, I hope people like it. I hope, I really hope people like it. Cause I really, I think that it's, if you're going to go out on a, on an Indiana Jones movie and get the bad taste of, uh, a crystal skull out of your mouth. I think this is a good one to go out on. Nice. So, cool. Yeah, That's we'll, awesome. we'll be back in two weeks to review that. And, and uh, don't worry, we'll have regular episodes coming out. We'll have them coming out, but uh, just taking a little bit of a uh, little bit of a break right now, guys, but we'll be back in a couple weeks again. Thank you to our guests and we will see you in two weeks. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean it. It lets embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done. So we should separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids It's a trap Good and 